what looks better, a black and white photograph or a coloured one? Most people will say the black and white is more beautiful. And yet, most audiences won't watch black and white movies. Black and white means old, and who wants to see the new Superman movie if it's not in colour? So I want to examine the ways in which modern films use black and white. Now, by modern, I mean from 1966. That was the last year the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences awarded two Oscars in cinematography, one for colour and one for black and white. 1966 also saw the first full season of TV broadcasting in colour, and since then, black and white has been fading, well, to black. However, several major American movie directors have chosen to make some films in that form. Why? The first filmmaker to do so was Peter Bogdanovich with his Oscar-laden adaptation of Larry McMurtry's novel, The Last Picture Show. Bogdanovich enjoyed the format so much, he repeated it two years later with Paper Moon, a caper movie set during the Depression, where a Bible salesman uses his nine-year-old daughter to swindle money from recently bereaved widows. I want my $200. I heard you through the door talking that man. It's my money you got, and I want it. Now, you just hold on a second. I want my money. You took my $200. Will you quiet down? You hear? I want my $200. Hold on. Just hold on. Let me explain something to you. It ain't as if you was my pa. That'd be different. Well, I ain't your pa, so just get that out of your head. I don't care what those neighbor ladies said. I look like You that. don't look nothing like me. You don't look any more like me than... Then you do that Coney Island. Eat that damn thing, you hear? We got the same job. Lots of people got the same job. Besides being really funny, it also looks great. It sounds odd, but cinematographer Laszlo Kovacs used red filters throughout filming. You see, red filters on black and white deepen the darker tones and conversely brighten the lighter ones, and therefore stop the image from being variations of grey. The next year, Mel Brooks delivered Young Frankenstein, a wonderful spoof on the old horror movies from the 1930s. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? Different types who wear a day coat, pants with stripes or cutaway coat, perfect fits. Now, for comedies, the lighting is usually flat. You don't want anything distracting from the jokes. But despite this, cinematographer Gerald Hirschfeld's stylized lighting of the old horror movies only adds to the humour. Moving forward five years, we come to Woody Allen's love letter to his hometown, Manhattan. Allen has used black and white on several pictures, but none of them equal the images on display here. Cinematographer Gordon Willis's work is luxurious especially the opening montage that not only starts the film, but also allows Alan to explain his reason to film in monochrome. Chapter one. He adored New York City. He idolized it all out of proportion. Uh, no, make that, he, he romanticized it all out of proportion. Yeah. To him, no matter what the season was, this was still a town that existed in black and white and pulsated to the great tunes of George Gershwin. Two years later, Martin Scorsese delivered his second masterpiece, Raging Bull. You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. Instead of a bum, which is what I am. Let's face it. It was you, Charlie. It was you, Charlie. Scorsese initially planned on using color, 
but dropped it when it was pointed out to him that the boxing gloves would be too red on screen. And so Scorsese hired in cinematographer Michael Chapman and delivered what is undoubtedly one of cinema's most astonishing achievements. The same year saw another masterpiece, The Elephant Man, directed by David Lynch. Lynch chose monochrome because he felt that the tragic deformities John Merrick suffered from would appear as too grotesque in colour. Going with black and white held back on the horrible aspects of his affliction. Now, lighting in black and white is much more difficult than colour. Colour separates objects for you, but in black and white, you have to use light in order for objects to register as different from one another. So, the Oscar-winning cinematographer Freddie Francis came in and undoubtedly contributed enormously in delivering a film that is remarkably tender and yet unsentimental. The rest of the 80s saw Francis Ford Coppola's Rumblefish, with Stephen H. Burham's cinematography by and large the most interesting aspect to the movie. Spike Lee made his feature film debut in 1986 with the shoestring budget She's Gotta Have It. Where Rumblefish had expressive lighting, Lee decided to go for a very grainy look, and with Ernest Dickerson's guidance, the overexposed images and use of wide-angle lenses helped bring a new urban look to New York. But by far the most high-profile black-and-white picture of the last 50 years is undoubtedly Schindler's List. What is interesting here is that colour film stock was used and then graded into black and white, which is somewhat ironic when he considered that the film's most striking moment comes with its momentary use of colour. Still, Janusz Kaminski is the only cinematographer since 1966 to win an Oscar for filming in black and white. Please, sit down. No, no, thank you. So, what can I do for you? They say that no one dies here. They say your factory is a haven. They say you are good. Who says that? Everyone. Tim Burton filmed Ed Wood in black and white because he wished to emulate the B-movie sensibility of the man who is often labelled as the world's worst film director. Alas, director of photography Stefan Chapsky is far too talented to fall down into that league and instead of bad framing and irregular lighting, well, Ed Wood looks magical. Home. I have no home. Hunted. Despised. Living like an animal. The jungle is my home. But I shall show the world that I can be its master. I shall perfect my own race of people. A race of atomic supermen that will conquer the world. For the last 20 years, the Coen brothers have been collaborating almost exclusively with the great British cinematographer Roger Deakins. And for their cryptic mystery, The Man Who Wasn't There, they chose monochrome to sync with the noir style, so typical of the era in which the film is set. Now, being a barber is a lot like being a barman or a soda jerk. There's not much to it once you've learned the basic moves. For the kids, there's the butch or the hiney, the flat top, the ivy, 
a crew, the vanguard, the junior contour, and occasionally the executive contour. When Steven Soderbergh went to film the World War II drama The Good German, he went one step further than the Coens by using the very same cameras and wide-angle lenses from the 1940s to replicate as closely as possible the look of the time. This whole goddamn country, she winds up fucking my fucking driver. Oh, you knew her? I hired her as a stringer. Her husband was never home, there were no kids. She got tired of rattling around the house all day. She was good at it, too. She could get people to do things for her, and they didn't know how she did it. So you were screwing your secretary? Stringer. Sorry. Doesn't mean that she's with him, anyway. Another recent black-and-white movie was the Oscar winner, The Artist. Set in Hollywood during the transition to sound, a time when black-and-white was the only choice to filmmakers, it was a somewhat obvious but nonetheless effective choice. But for me, the most successful use of black-and-white since Schindler's List has been George Clooney's Good Night and Good Luck. Clooney chose black-and-white because he needed to integrate television footage from the 1950s and he felt that the sudden shift would jar with the colour images. So he called in cinematographer Robert Ellswit, who shot the film on colour film stock, which was then digitally corrected to black and white in post-production. Ellswit found a visual style that was not only striking, but also tonally fitting. Every scene, and I mean every single scene in the film, takes place indoors. And so Ellswit used a lot of long lenses to create a claustrophobic atmosphere which is perfectly in keeping with the film's themes of suspicion and paranoia. Bill, you said corporate would not interfere with editorial and that the news was to be left to our We own. don't make the news. We report the news. 99% of the time he's wrong about the people he's if marked. If he goes too communists. far, the Senate will investigate him and we will report on that. But he's wrong 100% of the time when he oversteps And what are you liberties. doing? You're trying him in the press. Does he get the right to face his accuser? Ed, you've just decided on this and now you're presenting what it. What I am doing, Bill. I write your check. I put you in your country house and I put your son through school. You should have told me about this before it went so far down the road. All of which I hope convinces you that black and white isn't always about beauty.